0: To what do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little
1: invisible parasites. Satan-worshipping freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. There are much
0: more powerful international forces in playing. Is this Pink Is this what Pink Guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. to actually Google it. Please get outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys, but guess what? It's how it is, mate. Mate, because I want the to do free. this one. But I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims and con artists. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoyset for tax purposes.
1: And I'm Joel Hill, and today we are yet again delving into the machinations of the big, bad, great reset to look at one of the World Economic Forum's greatest obsessions, which is smart cities. Jesus Christ, what is this? Part
0: 906? We've been on the World Economic Forum and its affairs for a while now, Joel. This better be good.
1: Yeah, I can't promise it's good. But I can say that it's a bit donkey, and it has to be said. I mean, look, smart cities are the obsession of cookers around the world. I see this shit all the time and they constantly get it wrong. They think it's the end of days. They literally think it's the start of a new world government, which is going to bring in the second coming of Christ. Honestly, it's so fucking tiring. It Really, if you put it down to it, it's mostly about how bins are emptied. That's the crux of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, the cookers got rather carried away about something that winds up being a bunch of self-driving cars and self-emptying wheelie bins. But after Ida Orkin's bizarre essay on her dystopian IKEA-furnished future, I think it's time to look at what the hell a smart city is and why the Saudis want to build a giant one in the middle of the desert and kill everybody who was there.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes, it is, Jack. Look, it is time to look at what the fuck a smart city is. I think it's time. Why cookers are afraid of them. They're afraid of everything, including the moon.
0: Most things, let's be honest. Most things,
1: yeah. And also, absolutely why the Saudis should not be trusted to build one. But we're going to get to the Saudis in the next installment because this is going to be a bit long.
0: It is a long one, uh, but it needs that sort of touch. And we just remind our listeners that... Uh, This stuff doesn't come for free, and we'd love to get uh, a little bit of help along the way to make it uh, more valuable so we can contribute a little bit deeper in the research style and get more material out to you. This took Uh, all day. (laughs) And so we have a a Patreon up and running. Uh, What is it, Joel? www.patreon.com backslash (laughs) theconditionalreleaseprogram.com. Isn't that it?
1: Yes, minus the .com at the end. But if you Google anything along those lines, you will find it. Either way, look, the more patrons we get, the more time we've got to spend on this. I struggle to put in as much elbow grease as I can, but damn, a little bit of space would be nice. So thank you very much to our existing patrons we love you and really do appreciate your monthly yes, uh, donations. Yes, we, do. we do
0: indeed. It makes, makes a big it, difference. makes a huge difference just in terms of putting aside just enough time to do the show.
1: Yeah, it's it can get pretty, pretty involved.
0: <laughs> anyway, so for those who don't know what this is all about, let's go from the top. What the hell is a smart city? I live in a dumb town.
1: Yes, well, you'd actually be surprised. There's probably a whole bunch of smart city shit involved which you don't know about, which is one of the interesting things because – Some of this stuff is very invisible, but generally speaking, smart cities are cities that are designed to utilize technology in order to improve living standards. You know, like they increase efficiency. They find these innovative ways to make sustainable urban lifestyles available to the absolute shitload of people who suddenly want one. People in small towns want things to be just like big towns. Well, you are going to need sensors for that to work. But the intent behind smart cities is to use a series of built-in sensors, And mobile devices, which people carry around or install in their homes, and of course, these sort of artificial intelligence platforms that tie them all together, that make cities make more sense on a planning level. These sensors will detect things like foot traffic, car traffic, lighting, pollution, and use this to shape local government policy for the betterment of the citizenry and those around.
0: Well, one of the big things, one of the big things about livable cities, is, and it's it's a huge problem for cities in the developing world, is air quality. Yeah, and and so we have things. I mean, in Brisbane now, they have in the Brisbane City Council, they uh, they have lampposts that are detecting pollen counts yep. and, uh, Smart and other. Uh, yep. because a lot of people have a lot of people have uh, respiratory conditions, asthma, yeah. what have you, and <laughs> so those people can't go out. So what would so. That's a really simple and rather benevolent sort of thing. these These Brisbane lampposts, by the way, you can charge your... They actually do have street lighting as well. Yes. But you can charge your... Who's going to do that, by the way? You can charge your charge your mobile on these lampposts. I mean, who's doing that?
1: Yeah, I know. And there's so much of this stuff is going to end up being such a waste of money and time. But... At the same time, bless their hearts for doing them.
0: Yeah, a lot of these technologies are dependent on low-latency, high-bandwidth internet connections, and that means 5G. Oh, and yeah. Cookers hate 5G. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: They hate 5G. Fanos, <laughs> Thanos, he <Thanos laughs> really <laughs> hates 5G. This is always going to be an issue. If there's a 6G, they're going to hate that too. But for now, cookers hate 5G so much they are known to casually set mobile towers on fire, as seen in Bimbi, which surprises absolutely nobody, but also in Vaucluse in October 2021 by a, a, a middle-aged woman who yeah. called the Optus 5G device a Chinese box in court. Yeah. In the courtroom. Cooked as fucked. Her it trial is continuing. And it is something we'll keep an eye on. I Blessed. suspect there may be a mental health defense coming along the way, but she Ooh. doesn't want to she doesn't want to play the card. Her lawyers do, but she doesn't.
1: No, she doesn't want to be drugged. We also saw
0: this at the hands of Concreter and entertainer. That's that fabulous mix of concreting and uh doing a bit of cabaret. Yes. And Nathan Glover, who dug a hole. Dug a hole. Nathan's dug a hole. <laughs> Who uh, dug a hole in his backyard to imprison Dan Andrews? And you can hear more about him in episode sixty-one because he is very, very funny. Uh, the police—long story short—police, police, uh, police uh, followed him on CCTV all the way to, <laughs> to him destroying, destroying this five G tower. Not funny. Very expensive repairs required, it is funny. <laughs> and and cut out all the internet and stuff around the, around the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they got her, then when the wallopers got around to his house. Uh, he had, in fact, dug a hole and he, and they said, well, what's the hole for? And he goes, oh, I was going to keep Dan Andrews here. And you go, oh, my God. Okay, you know?
1: cool. You know, that's that's something you don't here.
0: confess to. You know?
1: No, no. Never just plead so guilty to that kind of stuff. Look, Dad, I dug a downhole. <laughs> Constable, validate me.
0: Yeah, so the Nathan Glover you finally did a bit of a did a bit of an examination of the great concreter and entertainer Nathan Glover in episode sixty-one. I fucking love him. Anyway, in the UK and EU, uh, smart cities are sort of getting smarter at a, at a at a wild rate. In 2020, before people's brains were cooked by COVID and vaccines, and there were already <laughs> 60 arson attacks on towers in the UK. It's mental. It, it actually predated all the all yeah. the cooker stuff on.
1: Ah, anti-5G's old school. And
0: this was before conspiracy theories blew up on the back of the spicy cough, you know. This is, yeah.
1: this is all predates the, the nuttery there. It does. And also, just a bit of a side note, a lot of the towers – that have been vandalised in these pursuits didn't even have 5G on them. They just burned mobile towers.
0: It's a Chinese box and yeah. the Chinese
1: box got to go. Just got to cook that Chinese box, you fucking idiots. But, yeah, like, I mean, this raises the idea that smart cities may be vulnerable to vandalism and this is something we discussed with that sort of the role of Dennis Leary and Demolition Man in the last episodes about You know Nothing.
0: It's a great shit film. film. It's a really terrible it's film. Stop citing it. I love it. Dennis Leary is great in, in, in anything, but Demolition Man is a piece of shit.
1: Great film. And he, okay, if you don't know, is the leader of the underground resistance who sort of pop up now and then and just blow shit up. Fair enough. You know, it's an oppressive, weird state, smiley face, blah, blah, blah. While I'm absolutely on Leary's side here, it must be said that we are already seeing some pretty intense civil disobedience from people with cook brains who don't have a reason to be blowing up these towers. Imagine if the hack's actually something worth fighting against, which to me is a little bit terrifying. <laughs> Because it might come to fruition. I'm not sure. We'll see. But much of the benefits of these technologies come in the form of approved efficiency. They can also come in the form of convenience for the end user. I mean, in a traditional city, people just sort of exist. We live, we do stuff. In a smart city, it's a user experience, which is what the dorks are going to call, you know, you will no longer be a citizen. You'll be a user. There'll be UX involved. And Cookers constantly claim this sort of convenience comes at a cost. But what they do is they say, this convenience will come at a cost. And then just make something up. It'll be complete nonsense. Mm. They'll just be like, oh, but they'll take your fingers away. What? Yeah, it? yeah. Why? Yeah. Shut up, idiots. Yeah, there'll be, there'll
0: be pedophiles watching screens of children, you know, with facial recognition.
1: Yeah, exactly. And all this but kind of stuff. But, but why? So, why? Why is so that? It'll the just case? make it easier
0: to uh, to uh, to basically abduct children.
1: Exactly. And that's the kind of shit they actually fucking say. It drives you nuts. So I'm just going to say, basically, as a bit of a dork, Data-driven solutions make life easier and they reduce costs. That's why they're implemented. They're not implemented because they're going to make pedophiles more effective. Well, I mean,
0: it's basically... Bizarre to think the alternative that would be that a, that a city with 1950s or even 1970s or even 1990s technology would just continue along in that vein. It's just like a better I mean, idea. I mean, basically, the people thing. who manage these cities and they are generally speaking councils combined with state governments in Bean Australia, counters. for example, are they going to plan for things to be to 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 run a little smoother. Yeah. As I said to you before, the big issue, the big issue about livability in a city in a city is air quality. Yeah. And where you've got the ability to to record any shifts, any rises in particular that make it difficult for people to go out, um, and and transfer that data to their to their smartphones, they'll know the pollen counts. They'll know the things that they, that, that they shouldn't be going out in a month.
1: Yeah. And this is the sort of thing. So that's a benevolent side of things. And then you've got the data capture, which involves things that can be used to profit. So there are definitely two columns here. And that is the benevolent side. And I really like that. It's pure government. And that is the reason why I'm very much a big proponent of good government. But then you see this sort of thing that when a private company comes in and they install sensors, they're going to want to be able to sell the traffic uh, uh, information to someone whether it be sort of companies or back to the government themselves. But they're going to want to be able to monetize that data and that's why they're getting excited about being involved.
0: Yeah, but that just comes down to a simple matter of, you know, internal vigilance. I mean, that's, exactly. that's, that's what we've got to be. I mean, exactly. when, when, when the city of Sydney decides that it's going to get into bed with with uh, a bunch of uh, essentially faceless U.S. corporations over da- and, and, and begin data harvesting, you know, people are going to jump up and down about
1: that. Exactly, exactly. Now, can you tell cookers that, please? Because this is exactly how it fucking works. So frustrating to watch this discourse yeah. without any right. sense of reason.
0: Let's get into our smart cities just to cover what they really are. Smart cities, <laughs> we've just been talking about, they're essentially retrofitted. You know, there are some some new cities which going to do. We, we're going to talk about, and and we'll do some expanded stuff on some of these smart cities starting from scratch, including a particularly unpleasant one in Saudi Arabia. Um, yes, but, but it's basically, it's it's adapting technology to create things like. Make 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 roads um, uh, roads more usable. I mean, this is a big issue now. <laughs> I mean, The problem, the problem is the councils are all broke from filling in potholes around Sydney yes, because are. of the yes. heavy rain we've had, but. How do, you, how do you think that gets monitored? Do you think people actually ring up and go, oh, there's a pothole out in the front of my place? And yeah, councillors come and pick, councils councillors go, okay, well, we'll be right out there. We'll be right out there, ma'am. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just not that way. It's done by a series of monitoring. It can be done by vehicles driving around the area. But more likely it's, than not, it's, it's the use of CCTV footage. Yeah, it's the, yeah. It's the, use of, uh, it, it, it's the use of technologies to say, here, we've got a problem, get out and fix it.
1: But they do also have the snap and send uh, facilities at most councils where you can take the photo of something and send it to council, which yeah. is another smart city initiative of being able to basically say, okay, I'm going to take a photo. It's going to have geotag location on it. And you can say, here is a pothole. I'm taking a photo of it. The GPS coordinates are in the back end of the photo. This is all smart city shit. You could call that Internet of Things if you wanted to, but yeah. it would be weird. You know, this is all sort of stuff makes sense. But when it comes down to these sort of things – Your ability to implement a smarter city has a limit and that limit is often either, like I say, like that retrofitting thing or starting from scratch and just putting a shitload of sensors in everywhere.
0: It's this. It's the starting from scratch. I would suggest are the big issues, and and we'll get we'll get to that as we go. Um, that that is the real major problem of surveillance. When yes, it yeah. exists in retrofitted cities, but in retrofitted cities, you have existing citizens who are going to say, "Hang on, just a minute."
1: Exactly. Yeah, and also you've just got simple limits to what you can do. Whereas when you're starting from scratch – and this is what we'll cover in the Saudi thing later, which is another part – but you can really do whatever the fuck you want and it can be quite harrowing uh, what you get up to and what people say, oh, yeah, that seems like a good idea from uh, consultancy firms that don't seem to have a – what's that? Social conscience whatsoever. One of the big buzzwords in the smart city space is the Internet of Things. And this is a technology buzzword that goes back a long way. they call called the IoT. And it's this sort of proliferation of devices and sensors that work together in this sort of localized network of a Bluetooth or some kind of medium like that or just Wi-Fi in general to exchange data and information to achieve some uh, some sort of particular objective. You know, it's usually one of convenience or some sort of essential service automated it's cool. But like the Internet of Things is often uses cookers by some kind of scary buzzword. Maria Z says it in the greatest way. She just says it and you're like, Oh, am I supposed to be scared of that? Is, is that why you paused?
0: Like the but Internet of Things. Is that yeah. something we're supposed to be scared of? Oh my god.
1: She just says it. It's things. And it's the internet. In like this really weird tone of voice. Yeah. Like it's just like, okay, cool. Internet of things. Like just just say those words and move on. But you paused. Okay, cool. But it's just devices working together, and it's often smartphones, but it's other shit too. It's just things we interact with on a regular basis, you know, like say, convenient stuff. And this can create some sort of ecosystem like a smart home where lighting, heating, security, these sort of systems can just work together. You can have the house warming up when you're on your way home. Uh, you can keep an eye on your stuff, you know, just general surveillance. You can keep now, an eye on your pets. Now I get you know it. Where you. They now are. I
0: know what cookers are worried about. They don't want to live in a, in a house that's smarter than they are. Yes. That's. And that's- Probably it. That's that why is, they're just terrified. That you is know, actually it. Won't exactly be out. What's it won't let me be out. Because if it really was a smart home. You know, it would just deadlock the fucking doors and they would not be
1: allowed out. And their internet would go down immediately. I'm sorry, Dave. You can't be trusted on the internet. (laughs) Just You just can't be. (laughs) So, look, and this is the thing. Like, I've got a smart device which feeds my cat and it does it on a regular basis. And she knows, so she goes and she checks it. It's very funny. But this is the kind of smart home stuff, which is these sort of smart city things that they're somewhat terrified of. It's like, but what if the feeding device fails? Okay, it sends me a
0: notification. (laughs) What if the the feeding... A device attacks and kills us all
1: well yeah i mean look the, the cat could probably do with a few lessons but that's okay well we won't go into that so An example of the Internet of Things is just like Apple AirTags. This is just an offhand example because it gives you an idea of how these things work in practice. Those little AirTags, they don't have GPSs in them. They rely on a network of iPhones that talk to the tags and they triangulate the signal and then they send a thing back to Apple and that tells the owner of the tag where it is. It's not that it's like this data is going through phones and everyone's like, oh, fuck, I know where the cat is. No, it goes back to the original person and your battery gets used a little bit. And that, that's just sort of how it works. It's just a bunch of devices working together to do a thing. And, you know, it's, it's not a big deal but there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can do, which is, you know, automated. It can be controlled by timers, sensors, smartphones, and these things just make our lives easier and better. And often these sensors are really cheap. But I will say that one concern that we have is a lack of control and that centralization, because what happens if your smartphone isn't working or the server goes down that runs your sensors? And what happens if the sensors break? We'll all be killed. We'll all die. Or well, you might starve to death because you're standing next to your cat feeder and nothing <laughs> happens. But it's <laughs> that thing of like, you know, something you Come to rely on suddenly betrays you, and that isn't great because sometimes, like, you know, I could make myself a sandwich. What if the door won't open because it lost your fingerprint setting and it's just saying, Sorry, Dave, can't let you in your home, can't trust you, can't can't yeah, detect you. Don't now, like to look at you, Dave. You're going to have a key as a backup, but maybe you didn't bring it because the whole point is you don't need to bring your keys anymore or maybe the light won't turn on because your app won't start for some reason. And it's in moments like these, a key or a switch can be really valuable to someone. Nah, yeah, yeah. you just, just put a code in. I mean, I fucking hate getting up to turn off light. Is there a midpoint in this? There probably is. But people are really shit at finding midpoints, so we have to talk in these extremes. But chances are you'll still have a light switch as a backup, You just won't use it much because you have to get up to use it and that's annoying. Not a big deal.
0: Smart cities will implement that kind of smart home mindset into a larger scale to produce automated outcomes that reduce labour costs, obviously, but also increase efficiency in sectors like lighting, waste management, big issue for cities, and the enforcement of regulations, i.e. parking (laughs) patrols. But it's pretty hard to get excited by the idea of local government being really good at giving you a parking ticket. You know, know, that that, that old run out and see if I've got... If I've had my tires marked. Nah. Um, um, but, and sign so that it's fine, they're not, you know, you're just going to get pinged, basically. You're just get a letter in the mail. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry,
1: mate, the drones saw you. Don't hide. Yeah. But in the example of lighting, sensors may detect people and light areas accordingly. And this is good because it not only is convenient to know that when you go to the park, Things will light up when you're there. It also leads to an increase in personal safety. People can no longer lurk in the shadows. And this does have a trade-off. It relies on a partial sacrifice of privacy. I
0: think, I think you're being hard on lurkers. I really do think you're being hard on lurkers. I'm,
1: I'm going to give you a practical example, one that I can absolutely relate to, which is being a teenager, you are constantly going to parks and making out. And how do you do that if lights follow you everywhere you walk? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't work.
0: It's, uh, it's... I'll be so upset. It, 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 it could be very theatrical, but it's not going to be pleasant. It's not in, not conducive.
1: I may still be a virgin if this was a policy in my time. But there also may be this sort of centralised point where the presence of people at certain hours may trigger a police signal, go back to HQ, send a squad card just to check out while the kids are down at the, the dunnies down at the beach. Now, this could be a good thing to deter people from causing trouble at night or maybe early in the morning or you know just various times but like i used to smoke bongs down at the park i used to smoke bongs at the dunnies by the beach having the cops pop around child. for a cone is not child, my idea child, of a child. good time i just i don't want that
0: well by the time, by the time we'd probably be it'll probably be legal
1: well yes i like to think so but what is and what isn't legal is one of the cornerstones of the argument about smart cities and the way in which surveillance and police intervention can be trusted basically. I mean, look, you're always going to have this conversation about privacy when you implement these kind of technologies. And the issue I find with the conversation around privacy is a clear lack of practical reasoning within debate. Like I can tell you that lighting up parks means that I won't be able to go to a park and make out with my girlfriend. That's a practical example. women
0: in general will feel safer walking through them.
1: absolutely. And that is a massive advantage. And these are the sort of things that cookers don't bother to talk about because they don't really care not, unless it makes you terrified, like internet of things, pause, then they don't give a shit. But like, I do feel a sense of reluctance to see my control of just my living situation, these sort of central bodies, because I'm not sure what the debate is. It could be a government. It could be a private company. I could not know the reasons why I should be worried about this. But I think a conversation should be had. We have this conversation now where you just simply oppose things for the sake of privacy as a concept. I mean, define privacy. Are you really that terrified of the council knowing which park benches are the most popular in a town so they can make the maintenance schedules more efficient? I mean, really? It's
0: terrifying.
1: It's terrifying. But that's what This is what they're fucking doing. This is like the practical things that are happening right now and the cookers are terrified of it. Watching Maria Z talk about this stuff, it is the funniest thing. We'll get to her later. To those who truly believe their participation in society must be completely anonymous, you're living in the fucking the stone ages. Nothing is anonymous anymore. The cookers' point of view on this and general sort of right-wing Luddite viewpoints is they take the situation for what it really is and of course, as I say, they just make things up to the point where it becomes this dystopian fiction, but it's a fiction that they created in their heads. They're very opposed to all these things they made up on the toilet that morning. And like, it's a conversation that annoys me for that reason, because it had to be had in some form because it's important. And generally speaking, once you give up certain rights, they don't tend to come back. So you need to be well considered before you start cheerleading for something that might you in the arse but when it comes to smart cities the majority of people involved in development they're just tech heads and they're just bean counters the bureaucrats most
0: yeah look i I just want to talk about the cctv footage stuff cctv footage is very old technology right and you will find that most of well it's it's, it's all around law enforcement right right at the moment if there's a major or even a minor crime that's the first thing police will look for now yeah <clears throat> that's you know is there CCTV for which where are the cameras let's go looking for the cameras most of the cameras are held privately either by businesses or yeah, by me. residents So of nutcase lives next door to me God only knows what's going on in his house but I always think that's fucking sus
1: mate <laughs> people must think my house is sus but
0: most of these things you know stay trying to stay on top of keep most of these things are privately owned so people want to keep their businesses safe keep their homes safe but it's old technology but it is used now we can't actually Actually, cookers can't turn around and say, Oh, it's all this massive violence.
1: I do have a counterpoint to this, though. I do have a counterpoint Um, because when it comes to private cameras and public enforcement, there is actually a collusion between US law enforcement and the Amazon Ring device, which are those filming doorbells. Right. And they have reached an agreement with 400 police precincts to basically allow videos to be given without user consent or a warrant. So that is that is happening. Well, that's
0: just nuts. I mean, that, that's that's just nuts. I mean, how did that how did that happen? I mean, I guess you've got to look at your terms. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, your private terms and conditions.
0: Conditions and terms under which you buy and install such a thing. And yeah. I see, I see the Google stuff is up up and running a like lot now, quite popular in the United States because people don't go to they want to go to the door now.
1: Yeah, I've got a. I've got a, a DVR system, which is a very dumb system, and I'm happy with that. But the fact that Ring has this agreement really does have that slippery slope beginning aspect. And this isn't something that cookers are really complaining about. I never see anything about this agreement with the cops. It is interesting in the fact that a lot of this private, and I can speak for myself, I have the, the private cameras, and I once had police come to me asking for my cooperation to give them some footage because something had happened on the do street. That.
0: They will but always do they that.
1: had to ask. And if I said no I told them to piss off, well, that would have been that.
0: That would have been that. That would um, have been nice. <laughs> um, so basically what I'm saying, so I guess the point I could have made a little bit shorter is that CCTV footage is not new. It's not, no. it's not Orwellian necessarily. We've been living with it for a long time. Yes. And basically it has become now the sort of cornerstone of policing in Australia. Yeah. To the point where you'll see coppers go, oh, well, there's no CCTV footage, so we won't. We won't bother. We won't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> it. It gets a bit like that. But it, but this business of, of state surveillance and so forth is really kind of a nonsense. We just do have this preponderance of cameras around. Now, the state-owned ones are really just around our roads.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is the majority of them. And an interesting thing that I saw the other day at the music festival that I went to, Good Things, there was one of those portable camera surveillance devices. But yeah, it says non-infringement camera data collection only. What the data collection is, yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I trust it either. I'm not here give smart cities a free pass
0: i don't i i I certainly wouldn't i certainly wouldn't trust that and and you need a better explanation. community needs a better explanation than that
1: well at least there was one because i thought it was interesting they bothered to have the caveat on there
0: well it was just kind of oh nothing to see here this is just a big thing and don't worry about it and smile smile what smile because it makes you look less guilty when you
1: do smile but there must be trust. Otherwise, there's you just can't have these sort of things. Mm. So from an article on cities in The Guardian by Wade Shepard, he said this.
0: Yeah, according to the UN, 68% of the world's population will be living in cities by 2050. This means 2.5 billion more city dwellers than there are now, with 90% of the uptake happening in Asia and Africa. Half of the urban area that will be needed hasn't been built yet we would need more Delhi, Shanghais and Lagos. So, again, what you're seeing is a breakdown of that sort of figure. I would think, yes, there'll be some big... Big cities in Africa, cities like Cairo and Lagos, etc., which are just burgeoning at the moment. Mm. Um, but most of the growth will be happening in India uh, and China and to a lesser extent, Southeast Asia.
1: India are huge in smart cities. Yep. They're massively invested because they don't have the resources for Western decadence, but their people want better living standards. And the only way to do that is to increase efficiency. It's the only way you can make that it's the only way
0: you can do it. I mean, just just think when we look at those figures, 25 billion more city dwellers, 68% of the world's population by 2050. If I extrapolate that to about 12 billion people, Mm -hmm. so that's... No, that's nearly nine billion people uh, living in cities, two and a half billion who weren't living in cities earlier.
1: Exactly. And people are moving to existing cities. It's not working. Just think of the
0: waste management, just the waste management.
1: Yeah, it's it's colossal. And just improving that on an efficiency level makes it possible for these people to exist in this kind of lifestyle. It is impossible without these kind of improvements. You cannot live like we do as Western wasteful fucks because we have the money to throw it around and we have the purchasing parity power to take the piss out of the world. They don't have that. And that's the way they're preparing their cities. And I kind of applaud that it makes a lot of fucking sense. You've got a situation where all these people in these developing countries are moving to cities to look for opportunity and the cities can't handle them. There's too many people and these cities are not designed for this many people. There's traffic, there's pollution. It's a fucking nightmare. So They need to build new places. So the article goes on to say this. It doesn't take a
0: Nobel Prize winner to see that many of the existing cities of Asia and Africa are simply not able to handle this onslaught of urbanisation. Cairo was built to house a million people, not the 20 million who live there today. Cities such as Mumbai, Kolkata, Lagos, Nairobi and Rio de Janeiro are crowded by rings of informal developments. Uh, Sao Paulo is huge, by the way. It's just sprawling. Mm. uh, Are crowded by rings of informal developments. Retrofitting these cities with modern infrastructure and utilities is more complicated and expensive than clearing out a swathe of land and starting all over again.
1: It can make more sense to just do that. But the underlying issue here is what capitalists have promised for years, which is that a rising tide will lift all boats. And all boats are being lifted. People want to live in cities. They've got a little bit more money now. They want to eat nice food in climate-controlled apartments. They want IKEA furniture. They want to live within spitting distance of transport. They want to basically they want what the people in the developed world have had for decades on American TV beamed into their living rooms. But with finite resources and that purchasing parity power issue, it's difficult to see a world that can house 7 billion people with Big television, air conditioning, microwave and an air fryer on the bench. It may not sound like a lot to ask for, but it is way above the pay grade for most people on the planet, especially the ones who are making our socks for $2 a day. But it is changing, albeit very slowly. It is changing.
0: It's changing so so dramatically. I mean, there's this huge numbers of middle class. In Indonesia alone, there's going to be another 100 million people in the middle class. In Indonesia alone, there'll be another there will be, there'll be the best part of half a billion people in India moving into the Middle East over the next 50 years. Yeah. And, and the same goes with, with, uh, with, with China and slightly less population.
1: And what are we going to do? we Are we going to stop them from living well? Or are we going to work toward having a more efficient way of living so everyone can experience a higher standard of living? I think yeah. the, it's, the latter is a, a no-brainer. But the issue here is that we have these wild inequities of life, which are built into this global north, global south mindset, but it's changing. And this is what they promised was going to happen. And this is what capitalists have cheerleaded for. And now that it's happening, well, I mean, a lot of people are complaining that maybe they won't have the ability to be as wasteful and decadent as they have been. But the other side is seeing opportunity because there is a decent quid to be made in this. There is so much opportunity in smart cities and the expansion of the developing world. But this, of course, means that a lot of companies with incredibly shady reputations are getting very excited by the prospect of smart cities because they can smell the cash. And while you have idiots rattling on about the WEF and Clash and Agenda 2030 and the Sustainable Development Goals, all these bogeymen that they call communism, the real problem here are their capitalist mates like Bechtel, Alphabet, Oracle, Uber, Amazon... And, of course, this is a bit of a tailspin here, but the usual suspects like Peter Thiel, who are these tech bro lunatics, simultaneously backing MAGA Republicans with shitloads of ca- campaign cash who deny climate change and rail against these smart cities and the WF while creating his own bizarre plan to build a floating city yeah, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean after all. because of the impacts of climate change. The same climate change he pushes people not to believe in by funding candidates who oppose it in public... Just saying, Peter Thiel is a vampire, and I cannot emphasize enough what a terrible, terrible person he is. Is Just saying. He's not. But, I mean, at this point, the drivers behind smart cities are a mix of government and private sector interests. But the private sector interests are turning up to town hall meetings with bags of cash in a nice suit and telling the alderman exactly what exactly it is exactly that. And it's dodgy as fuck because we all know what happened to the monorail, it didn't go well. We know this. So you've got buzzwords around employment, sustainability, housing, efficiency. These are Trojan horses upon which companies can run in town and basically take it over. And once they're in, they'll be very hard to remove because the role of privatization the smart city space, it is yet to be defined. We really don't know what's going to happen and the boundaries haven't been drawn. We don't know what this is going to be. So one thing is for certain. The companies involved in this space are here to make money. They're not here to make your life easier. They don't want to increase your user experience. They eventually want to make money. So if a positive user experience is profitable, everyone's happy and that's great. But why is it profitable? For all this sort of community consultation that they do to virtue signal to their investors and the people, you know, their stakeholders, the main motivator here is profit. It always will
0: be. So smart smart cities are a mix of technologies that track their citizens, harvest their data and monetize it. It it Joel yes. data singular yes harvest their data and monetize in those things for the sake of both profit and improving outcomes for people in that order as long as these devices don't become, become sentient and kill us all which is as I say going to happen they'll simply keep tabs on us to figure out how to sell us things okay but what functions do smart cities actually perform joel you know cut the bullshit and tell me about my bins
1: yes and this is the thing bins are a very important element of this proponents of smart cities fucking love talking about bins. And it is. It's an important part. But like I mean, fuck, they love it. It's so relatable. Waste management is a very expensive and annoying part of local government. And making it smarter is a huge game changer. Mm. And we even saw some local cities in uh, local councils in Sydney like Ramwick. They have smart bins that are powered by solar panels. And these smart bins, they compact rubbish. And they notify local government when they need to be emptied. This reduces the cost of waste management dramatically. So the numbers are compelling though. Servicing of the bins was reduced by 90% from 21 services per week down to two, which is great. The trial involved three bins and was in 2019. And I tried to find follow-up data I didn't really see anything. But it's clear that a few sensors and a compactor run by a solar panel can make a world of difference in the bin game, which is a large part of this shit we've got to deal with. People, I do people notice that uh,
0: Dan has brought in, Bloody Dictator Dan has brought in, I think it's four bins now that, that a lot of Ooh. Victorians have. They have a blue, a yellow, a red, a green, you know.
1: They're going to kill it's, us all. It
0: sounds like communism, and it probably
1: is. probably is, and I'm cool with it. So it's worth noting that these smart bins aren't actually that smart. They aren't checking out what people are drinking. They aren't decked out with cameras and sensors to see which demographics you can. You it. You probably
0: beat it at a game of chess, is what you're yes. telling me.
1: And I have seen that there are bins like that available that do have sensors that do sort of collect that sort of stuff, but I haven't seen the implementation of them. But at the end of the day, sure enough, the council might not be that interested in collecting this sort of data. But just say Google starts donating these bins. And they're going to be donating these bins, not because they're benevolent and lovely. They're going to do them because they're going to find out what people are throwing away, who's throwing it away, mm. when they're throwing it away, and they're going to sell that information to, say, Coca-Cola. But I would say that the sixty-four thousand dollar question is: Is that really a problem? Like, I don't really fucking care if we're getting free bins, and it just so happens that Coca-Cola gets to see how many cans are thrown away.
0: Free bins, but you don't pay for a
1: you don't pay for a bin. Well, the council you know,
0: does. The council, council yeah. ponies up for one and if it gets broken, you ring them up and they dr- drop another one around.
1: Look, I don't really pay rates, but it is good for rate payers that these sort of things are being implemented and done by private companies with things that don't impact us but benefit us. I can see the, the, the benefit of that, but I can also say that I saw these smart bins in Chicago recently. They're very familiar. I saw them on the street. It was broken and overflowing garbage. So I mean, they're only really yeah. as good as the people who are receiving the data um, that says, "Hey, bin's full." Yeah, probably should probably should go have a look.
0: <clears throat> um, just letting you know again, the bin is full. Yeah, um, just uh, just a c- quick reminder. Anyone about the bin being just, full?
1: Yep, yeah, beep beep beep. Don't don't silence don't silence Mike. <laughs> no, I'm beeping for a reason. So look you know you've got these smart bins that can separate recycled materials that's all very lovely for sustainability outcomes but someone's got to buy them and someone's got to maintain them and they sound very expensive and this puts a real dent in that idea of the Ida Alken vision of a bunch of fun employed creatives with self-emptying bins who spend their days writing screenplays and giving each other hand jobs and eating soy paste and crickets and whatever because someone still has to maintain these devices. <coughs> Things do fucking break I saw it in Chicago but I'm pretty sure that wasn't just breaking spontaneously I'm sure someone broke that because it looked all fucked up we are unleashed monkeys at the best of times and teenagers that can't find a dark spot in the park to root are going to take out their impotent rage on local council facilities that's nature they're going to bash up a bin exactly you you get annoyed and you beat up a bin this is just how kids work I was there so look, some of the more practical examples of what a smart city will actually consist of are things like smart traffic control. This is so obvious. The ability for cars to know where available parking spots are is a no-brainer. Having sensors in places where you can go, oh, there's a parking spot there. Easy. To have these real-time updates on Google Maps to reroute traffic, to implement these sort of intelligent traffic control measures, this is easy, and you can do it in existing cities. You just need to put stuff on poles. Who gives a shit? This, of course, means less new roads being built, which saves so much money. And in new cities, it means less resources built on building roads, and roads are a kill we just want to have as little as possible that work well need more roads and wider roads joel yes because we have shit systems smart cities will fix that and this is the other thing. You have intelligent traffic lights. You know, these can switch off when nobody's on the road. They save energy doing that. Yeah. Theoretically, the data will be de-identified and aggregated for the sole purpose of increasing user experience. They don't need to be selling this or doing anything weird with
0: it. I mean, Melbourne is a planned city but and, and Canberra is a planned city and Brisbane sort of is. But, but Sydney, it was just fucking go tracks and then people just built around them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it, it fucking shows. If you look at a map, you're like, why is that? Yeah. Never mind. Never yeah. mind. So, yeah. So, we've got the next thing, which is basically smart street lighting. It's another benefit of a smart city when we talk about this because they can have on-demand lighting where dark places become light lit, but also apparently 18 to 38% of electricity costs in cities goes towards street lighting, and they can make that so much smarter. They can dim the lights and then brighten them up as people walk through them. Lights could turn on at dusk and detect the light as opposed to turning on at arbitrary times of the day because they're all programmed on a timer. I mean, there's heaps of ways this can work, and the security thing is a huge benefit. It makes so much sense, especially with LED lighting.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Have you also seen on light poles these days, they've got those... Um, those big, little, those little sort of skewers coming off the top to keep yeah, birds, to get the aren't birds real off, yeah. off them.
1: Yeah. Seems
0: cruel. Seems unnecessarily cruel.
1: Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, let them have a spa- place to hang out. Imagine the view up there. It'd be amazing. Mm. So, another thing that's completely banal, but I think is interesting, which is smart water systems, which. Are- Totally a part of Smart Water a City Future, especially in the developing world where basically tap water can be quite shit. We've got great tap water in City of Melbourne, but places in like India, where a lot of smart cities are being built now, and these sort of huge expansion, knowing the contamination level of water, can mean that you know when you can and cannot drink from a tap. Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide is a city. What?
0: Adelaide's got terrible water quality. Does it? Oh, fucking terrible water. They got terrible water and terrible beer because oh. of it.
1: I like that you just said Adelaide, and they just sort of stopped. Well,
0: it's just it's, everyone knows this. Um, okay, <laughs> well, they, they we have, do now. They have sediment. A lot of their water comes from the Murray, and by the time it gets by the time it gets to South Australia, it's got quite a lot of sediment in it.
1: Well, it's their fault for living in Adelaide. I it can't. Is. It is. I can't say anything more. Sorry, Adelaide listeners, we haven't actually been beaten over the head by Adelaide listeners before. Um, only Queensland, Tasmania, I think. Yeah, so don't drink the water. Aggressively send us messages because we mocked your city. Anyway, so... You can also have a situation where water utilities can learn where the water demands are high and shift resources to the area. There's all sorts of cool stuff. Then you've got power. Power Power's a fucking no-brainer because this is this thing of efficiency. We burn so much power for no fucking point. They often say it's about emissions, but it's also a really good way of making sure the grid can handle things. Excess power, those power spikes, they cost money. Renewable energy is a huge driver of these sort of smart, civic implementations. They make sense because climate change is apparently real. What a drag. But also, just ensuring that these power, existing power grids can handle demand in a way that maintains our lifestyle. And this is one of the things that cookers are so terrified of. Recently, they had power rationing, uh, well, heat rationing in Europe, and they went off their fucking nanas. And it's like, mate, look, you're having a bit of a problem. The Russians have got a bit towy, and now you don't have any fucking gas. So, yeah, share it around. You. Fucking dickheads. It's going to be very course,
0: interesting to see just how bad that winter is in Europe. <laughs> it um, is going to be interesting. Particularly in a place like Germany, Italy. Um, Especially
1: um, with this kind of mindset that having some kind of like sacrifice in your thermostat is communism. Like these power costs and these energy costs are so high and you've got one side trying to make everyone reasonable so everyone can stay warm and the other one's like, fuck you, I like it at 30 and if you don't like that, it's communism. No. You're a cunt. Stop it.
0: I do get drunk on fucking Russian cheap energy.
1: And it takes time to fix the problem, which is kind of problematic. But, yeah, Mm. like, I mean, I was uh, listening to a Telstra podcast on Internet of Things this morning with Adam Spencer, of all things, saying how it was a magnificent thing that you could have a centralised Internet of Things thermostat that turns down your heat or turns you know sort of up the air conditioning or whatever uh, in response to electricity demand. That's a fantastic thing.
0: Well, there's just fucking old people, mate. They're like lizards. I mean, they they have to sit in temperatures like twenty eight.
1: And they can afford the bills.
0: They you know can afford the bills, but it's not very comfortable you're sitting in there. It's, 28, it's 40 outside and it's 28 inside.
1: And it's not communism to ration heat in a time when you fucking need to. So yeah, shut the fuck up. Put on a jumper.
0: Put on a jumper.
1: Yeah, it's but of course, course we know that say. people like Elon Musk will not be rationing their heat because they are elites and that's one of the things that really shits them because there will be a divide. But you've got this other thing, which is also security. And this is a huge issue because security is often correlated with a huge sacrifice in privacy. And that is correct. It really does have a trade-off. Smart cities will almost certainly involve this sort of extensive CCTV and sensors. Sensors, the main thing there with these sort of several uses, but harvesting data will be a huge element of that. Tracking people to see what they're up to and what they're doing. Tracking human behavior is a massive element of this. And they can start getting a little bit like minority report. where They start predicting what you're going to do and sending cops to hassle you if they think you're up. Where does good. that work?
0: I'm just from CCTV.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look into it, man. It's all happening. And one of the things with this sort of like, you know, preemptive police thing is just like your general, what the fuck are you talking about? My gut feeling is it's not very good, which no. means you're going to have police being called out to things that may not really be an issue, but might have one thing in common, which is, I don't know, socioeconomic status, race, etc., etc. So, yeah, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of broken eggs in that omelette, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be a good thing, but we'll see how we go.
0: All right.
1: So in the Neom City in Saudi Arabia, which we're going to discuss in another episode, crime is said to be a thing of the past. So this is an example of this well, thing. that's I think that it's implemented. crime.
0: There'll be plenty of that.
1: Well, yes, no. We'll definitely have state-sanctioned crime. That is going to be fine. And this is one of those things where take this with a grain of salt because they're planning to have flying drones and robot maids in this. So, and they don't exist. So this thing—it's just like the Jetsons. It is. They actually just ripped it off. So this actually might not exist. But the plan is that it'll be data-driven. And like I say, like Minority Report, there'll be predictive analytics which are going to be used to forecast criminal behavior based on data, which I assume (laughs) will be individualized. It won't just be aggregate. So Send the robotic of
0: executioners out with the scimitar and so off oh, we yeah. go.
1: The Saudi death drones are actually not that unrealistic and oh, they're planning to increase the balance a, in... It's going to be a
0: huge labor saver.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, as you said, there's, there's, there's issues with recruitment. So, look, this is the thing where they're going to increase the balance in areas that crime is prevalent and to provide this sort of forensic information, whether it be footage or something else, for investigations by local police, which, you know, leads to convictions, not that they need them because the death drones... But the trade-off between freedom and security is this classic philosophical quandary, and I think this conversation needs to be had. But smart cities will give the means to promise these sort of dramatic reductions in crime to voters who might otherwise be against the idea of mass surveillance, but love the idea of this concept of safety. So, I mean, I mean, what? how are we going to respond to that? I don't know. Maybe people are going to be like, you know what? Fuck them. Let's, let's do this. So crowd detection and these sort of public order mechanisms will be a huge issue in the move towards smart cities because crackdowns on protests could be guided with this kind of artificial intelligence system that predict crowd behavior and give police unprecedented abilities to stop civil disobedience in its tracks. That's not necessarily a good thing because we've seen this sort of crackdown and it's only going to get worse, let's face it. On the other hand, we have tragedies like the crowd stampede on Halloween in South Korea in this year where 150 people died in a crowd crush and these crowd management systems could have predicted this, implemented measures to pre- prevent it, but it's so much more likely this is going to be used to crush dissent than to prevent these sort of crowd crushes in busy areas. I
0: mean, of control, yeah. To get an idea of what the objectives are for smart cities, the survey that determines smart city rankings is pretty telling. The questions are, you are willing to concede personal data in order to improve traffic congestion? Yeah. Well, you are comfortable with face recognition technologies to lower crime? Ooh. No. You feel your availability of online information has increased your trust in authorities? Yeah, not really. Mm. The proportion of your day-to-day payment transactions that are non-cash uh, percentage of transactions. So you know, yeah. high levels of high levels of EFTs.
1: Oh, look, I think these can be put a little bit more gently. Because despite the nature of these questions, we had 61% for traffic, 67% with face recognition, popular, 60% for the increase in trust in authorities because the available, availability of online information, and cashless transactions, 77%, which was a huge benefit to us as Pandem- a smart city. Pandemic,
0: pandemic kill cash, yeah.
1: Oh, totally. But I mean, fuck, the freedom movement are absolutely shaking about this, and MasterCard will be counting the cash. We are so cashless these days. I'm not exactly for it, but fucking hell. So while quality of life and insurance are balanced between some technology and humanity is important, not just having tech for the sake of tech, this is according to the press releases of various organizations involved in the smart city movement, these survey questions, they paint a pretty dire picture of what they are really interested in, which is data transaction fees, and a trust in authority, which they can then kind of exploit because, you know, public private partnerships, very profitable. So generally speaking, examples of smart cities have not been reported as these sort of dystopian hellholes, but cities that just work well, which is great, but it's so early in the story of the smart city and smart cities may wind up taking a sinister turn in the future, especially in certain places like Saudi Arabia. However, uh, I would argue that wildly speculating on this isn't actually helpful. Having a discussion is good, but speculating on it isn't helpful. In a way that makes things more dramatic than they need to be, because there's so many things in our life as we see them now that could be fucked up if weaponised, but we're still doing okay. So it's calm your farm. Yeah,
0: it's that eternal vigilance thing, and, and smart cities don't always go to plan. So we're seeing this already that sometimes there are pesky nimby's. Damn those nimby's in the way of progress. And just because they're nimby's doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, sometimes this is this is you've got to bring communities with you. Exactly, otherwise it won't work.
1: Yeah, and that actually. It did kind of happen, but not enough. Because in the case of Sidewalk Labs and this Toronto Keyside project, and this is a, this quite ambitious plan to implement a high tech neighborhood in Toronto, this was thwarted by community resistance and eventually legal constraints. But that was the community resistance that brought these things to court. Yeah. Sidewalk Labs is a part of Google, which is a part of Alphabet, which is Google's parent company. Being a subsidiary of Alphabet sounds way more dystopian and scary, so we're going to run with that. So, Alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Alphabet. Yeah. It It, it sounds scary. I think it's really bad. Anyway, so sidewalk promised data will be harvested with open standards. Third-party developers would have access to be able to create applications to work with the infrastructure. It wouldn't just be monopolized to Google or Alphabet. And this is all built into the city in a very sort of open and transparent way. These are the sort of assurances that they came in with. But then, if you think about it, Alphabet or Google had don't be evil in their motto and then removed it from their code of conduct in 2018. A little, little bit of evil. So little you, of Edel. yeah, you can do some evil now. Yeah. So little it's all good. People. So like, I don't know. Do I trust Sidewalk? Do I trust Alphabet? Yeah, Probably we talked.
0: A, we talked about uh, Google.org, which is you know does incredibly good work. We, we talked yeah. about that in 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 our uh, Overflow um, last week. Uh, you know, incredible work in Data terms of... Data-driven
1: philanthropy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is in many ways, you know. Like yeah. tr- tracking refugees and movements across, across uh, um, Sahara and Africa, for example, mm. That's uh, to get them to where the resources are. You know, so, I mean, yeah, don't be evil. You know, I, 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 having spoken to a few people who work at Google, they say, yeah, we, we, we have a
1: bit of that. Try not to be evil, Mostly. Mostly. I guess the question is, what do they plan to do
0: with the data? Whatever it is, the eventual plan is to make money, otherwise yeah. they wouldn't be there. Listed Sidewalk company. is part of Alphabet. Okay. Alphabet is a public listed company. They yeah. have fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to make a profit. They walked into this with $50 million for the local government to entice them into the deal. The question is, how do they plan to recoup their investment? You know, It's not all philanthropy. It may involve some evil, which is apparently no issue since 2018.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's not a problem. But it also might not. That's a thing. I mean, like, Google may be benevolent. Who gives a shit if Google uses pedestrian data to put dynamic pricing on commercial real estate? It's not my worry. What maybe to advise companies on demographics for a cost to put them into their consultancy work? I don't really give a shit. It doesn't have a practical impact on our lives, if you know what I mean. Like... The issue, of course, is that where does it start and where does it stop? And when does it stop changing? Yes. You know, yeah, like, do we true. suddenly turn around and go, oh, what, what happened there? I wasn't noticing. I wasn't engaging in local politics enough to realize I'm being fucked. So while the conversation around that value of privacy can get quite heated, it's often had without a real understanding of the pros and cons of privacy itself. We've talked about the practical differences before, but it must be emphasized that if your data is being harvested and used to improve society, is there a cost? Is there a cost that isn't just the word privacy? If maintenance schedules are being designed around pedestrian sensors to detect activity, that to me is not a big deal. If anything, it makes society work better. Why do yeah. we have people going and doing redundant jobs, wasting their fucking lives when a sensor could tell them whether they're needed or not? This makes sense. But then you've got this sort of minority report style thing where a digital bill bubble will detect your identity and start targeting advertising to you. And this can be a good thing. Because, like, Facebook often tells me about things that I like, like bands that I like that are touring on a sponsored post. I'm like, oh, shit, Fear Factory's in town. I'll get some tickets. That's happened, and I love it. But what if a digital billboard knows you and knows your darker habits, like a gambling problem, and starts shoving gambling ads into All your daily sex wall. toys
0: you bought, Joe.
1: Exactly. And this is actually concerning. So this is the sort of thing that can encourage you to continue a destructive habit, targeting ads you fuck with you because the sex toy company is the one paying the most per click. I mean, that's kind of fucked up. So there is so much potential for this sort of stuff to be abused. Yes. Um, and while companies and governments follow the backwards being on the right side of wrong when it comes to these sort of issues, I mean, what happens when all this is entrenched? They try to basically do the right thing and then they start pivoting the goalposts, just, shake, sh- just shifting them around. And it's very easy yeah. to start getting, you know, quite creative about how dystopian this could get. Billboards that humiliate people with a low social credit score and blackmail you because of what you dreamed of last night, like in the Outer out Alcon essay. But in reality, there is a realistic thing that could be problematic and we should be concerned about it. Not the crazy shit cookers come up with. No. And also not this weird idea that it's all gonna be fine, just trust them. Eternal vigilance. Eternal vigilance, exactly. So cookies tend to go to one extreme by sort of, you know, creating these fictional dystopias to scare their flock of sheep because get some clicks. But this does create a narrative, and that narrative exists. But on the flip side of that, this kind of social credit system in China does exist to a fairly unsettling degree. And we should be eternally vigilant to make sure that does not happen here. Because the ability for a smart city that's full of sensors and on-demand data to just expand a social credit source system and just, just start happening around the place to this very strange and scary place is far from impossible. It's not something that can't be done. It's just something we wouldn't want to be done and we wouldn't allow to be done. It's unlikely to be accepted in democratic countries, but a good sales pitch, just like the one saying facial recognition technology and, you know, for for enhanced security.
0: Yeah, less crime.
1: Got a lot Mm. of approval. It could see a system like this implemented slowly with the promise of this elimination of crime and generally just, you know, trying to erode bad faith. But generally speaking, people think this is a bridge too far. I, th- I swear to God, man, they could be frogs in hot water, and they probably go along with it after time, so it's worth being vigilant. It's not a bridge too far for cookers, though, and we're finally going to get around Maurice. to what cookers are saying because they are fucking hilarious. My favorite take so far has come from Maria Z, who thinks that local councils are planning to destroy your life based on the opinions you post about development projects on social media. But all these things that we've become used to that are normal to us lead to what I'm about to tell you now, which is happening in Logan in Queensland and Canada Bay in New South Wales, which says this project will develop methods and tools to capture opinions
0: of citizens on urban topics expressed online.
1: Why? So that they can enhance these areas to make them more appealing or because they want to know what you're thinking and they want to exploit the fact that they know what you're thinking so that if you don't agree with what they're doing, you can't
0: eat this month. You can't access your bank account this month. You can't switch on your car this month. Do you see where this is leading? I'll go on. In other words, a few academics from the University of Sydney are going to develop tools to capture opinions about local government decisions from online sources such as social media and news comment sections to then attempt to use machine learning to predict citizens' responses to development plans. That's it. That's all there is. They are simply trying to increase their understanding of constituent desires. They aren't going to stop you from using your car because you don't like the new fish market development. And
1: no, it's fucking
0: it, ridiculous. It's highly problematic, all this stuff anyway,
1: but, but, um, but it's, not,
0: it's not telling you what to think.
1: No, it's not. It's just the dumbest fucking concerns. But this is the issue. Like, I've read and listened to extensive of takes on this, and they'll start off with this kernel of truth, just like she did with the grant because it does exist, and then do this handbrake turn into something completely dumb and fictitious. They just made up on the spot. I mean, this entire episode, well, at least the start of it, consists of Maria just looking up government grants for smart city projects and then trying to make them sound dystopian. Like I said before, she just says, internet of things, and then pauses. Yeah. That doesn't Mean anything, you fucking idiot. And you can hear Maria's little brain gears just sort of turning as she tries to come up with something to scare this shit out of her idiot viewers. She's just winging this. It's wild. And it isn't to say there isn't a good conversation we had about these issues. She's just not here for it, and this is where cookers are getting their fucking cues from because cooker-talking heads almost never discuss issues in good faith. They just don't.
0: No, no, they certainly never do. And and I think that plays on there's a general anxiety. I think everyone has anxiety to a degree about the future, about how it's going to be, what it's going to look like. And, and, and it's almost impossible to predict futurists – Joel, it's the biggest con of all time. People would sit down <laughs> and go, oh, look, I'll tell you how it's going to be in 20 years' time. It's almost certainly always bullshit, you know. Yeah. It's a little bit like, um, you know, uh, Back to the Future where where they, they decided the fax machines were going to be the way we communicated. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah at a different it, yeah. level.
0: I mean, it's just sort of it, they take the existing technology and they, and they sort of expand on it. So, look, yeah. Cookers are going to trap people because there is that general anxiety uh, about about the future.
1: Yeah, and they're not smart enough to look into it further. They just take this shit on face value and move on, which is just fucking pathetic, you know? So, look, the other thing is, of course, is that anytime Smart Cities comes up in conversation, it becomes all about the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. for no real good reason. They're into Smart Cities. They're into all sorts of shit. One of the more reasonable podcasts I listened to on the topic was from End Time Ministries. Which were an American church dedicated to readying people for the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. He's gonna be pissed. They were more reasonable than a lot of people like Clay Clark and shit. So they spent like an hour saying that Klaus Schwab was the one who said you learn nothing to be happy. And I know this is being pedantic, but listeners know that was Ida Alkin. And it while was this not is a Klaus. It mm. was not fucking Klaus. So stop saying that. But it wasn't meant to be taken literally either. And either they don't realize this or they don't want to be honest. They just find something and run with it. And these sort of pesky details like the truth, which apparently Maria Z will bring forward at any cost. Well, fuck that because it gets in the way of a good yarn. And that's what it's all about. Just having a nice, fun, cool story. And similar issues with digital ID, which is a bit of a smart city initiative to make it basically simple for people to identify themselves to authorities. We already have to show ID. But until recently, we had to carry a plastic card around, which is annoying. And now there's an app for it, which is fine. I still use either or. It depends on how I'm feeling. But the ACLU in the USA is voiced concerns over digital ideas. It requires a citizen to hand over an unlocked smartphone to a police officer or a security guard. Who may very well decide to use that against them by looking some messages up or finding some sort of evidence on that phone. And that is problematic. It's a concern. It's not
0: probable cause. I mean, you would need probable cause before you do that. And of course, we do have legislation in this country that says in states, I'm I'm sure Victoria, definitely New South Wales, where you can be jailed for failing to unlock your smartphone.
1: Yeah, it's fucked up. It really is fucked up and I do not like that law at all. But this is the thing. The Cookers don't talk about this sort of stuff. They're just like, digital ID is scary because it sounds scary. And it's going to control you. And it's like, but no... And then it always comes back to this social credit style system, the China social credit style system. They always say they're trading convenience for control, but they never say what the convenience is nor the control. Actually, no. I'll give One Nation credit. They did explain the conveniences, and then they made up weird control things. It was very, very strange. Anyway, nothing. that was a website. That would be Tony Ah, oh, It was so fucking dumb. So Alex Antic went on Alan Jones' shitty fucking web TV show, cl- talking about a new bill that was going to introduce this China-style digital identity system, and there's just nothing China about it. It was just like a, it, was a, it was another part of of a three-step program to implement digital IDs, to basically streamline the way government works, to have less paper pushes and get more automation. It's really not the end of the world. But, of course, it has to be some fictitious, dystopian fantasy land where everything's going to fall over. And, like, I'm not saying this because it happened this year and that I'm cheerleading for Labor. This has all been done throughout the Liberal Party's term. It's just basic bipartisan government. Let's make things more efficient. No, efficiency is Satan. Shut the fuck up.
0: Making government work more effectively is not dystopian. Being a Luddite is not a personality trait. It's a personality flaw. People like Antic are either terrified of progress because they are basic or simply exploiting the fears of their support base, I'd say the latter, because they know how basic they are. Mm-hmm. Either way, these people stand in the road of progress quite proudly to prevent society from being better. you got to love it. I mean... <coughs> If anyone wants to have a look at uh, Senator Antic, um, and they uh, they should have just a look at my Twitter feed where he got totally owned,
1: just owned um, I by, uh, well. by
0: a New York uh, MD, a medical doctor, so uh, good who, who who basically identified Antic as using data selectively to make. Yeah a spurious point about vaccines. Yeah, he's got yeah, absolutely he, rolled.
1: He's a bullshit artist. It was great. It really is quite embarrassing and he'll just keep doing it because he doesn't give a shit. He, does, he's, he says all this stuff with a very straight face. So look, you know, valid concerns about digital identity involve cybersecurity, how strict privacy controls are, but we're not here for that conversation either because it's not exciting. It's too technical. It has to be, oh, China, social credit system. <laughs> nah. It's just like China now. Like, just shut the fuck up, you cunts. So look, Other cooker concerns, they may or may not have validity, but these are around rationing. And I'll happily have this conversation. Will a city that runs on a centralized digital system result in the rationing of resources to the citizens? And if so, who's getting rationed? Because there's no way this is going to wind up in actual communism that everyone gets equal treatment under the app. People Mm -hmm. will be stratified. They always are. They always will be. And that's what cookers want. They hate communism. This is how they want it. But they think they do,
0: but they actually hanker for a hard man to rule them.
1: Don't, don't they just? Don't they just? And they want to make sure the wealthy guys only get as much stake as they do, despite the communist implications. Or, or there's a magical stake fairy that just gives everyone unlimited stake. That's what <laughs> they really want.
0: That's what they really want. That's a, a, a tenet uh, yes, right there. It really foundational is. Foundational belief.
1: This kind of equality makes me incredibly angry because they're fucking morons. So who has to turn the cooling or the heat down when the energy goods are under stress? This is what these smart sensors are you know, saying they're going to do, but who's going to be taking the sacrifices? I imagine it's more us than them, if you know what I mean. But will we end up in a situation, this is what they talk about all the time, where you can only buy a certain amount of meat per week from the shops for carbon and health reasons? Is that possibly on the cards? It fucking could be. I mean,
0: I, th- I think the market will determine that always. You know? You know yeah,
1: agriculture is not interested in being like, no, guys, we can't sell that much meat. Yeah, and they make run your, government, so meat-free <laughs>
0: products knock yourselves out. You know, but uh, you know, it's going to. Be- because stakes are going to be expensive in the future. I predict yeah, that.
1: Yeah, there's a possibility.
0: Now uh, we're also moving towards subscription-style consumption, which sees us rely on services that require monthly payment. We're getting them now on our, you know, on our, on our software services. We used to pay straight out for for, for Microsoft Word. Now, yeah, uh, bullshit. Us up- I hit like us it. up for what is it? Whatever it is, 10, I think it's ten month, ten a month, one
1: hundred and thirty dollars a year. Uh,
0: while a lot of boomer types are outraged by this, I mean, we talked about cars being, subs- you know, people would subscribe to a car. Yeah. While a lot of boomer types are outraged by this, millennials are used to the idea of having a boot on their neck to pay rent or be kicked out in the street within a month. It's There's a life. huge generational divide regarding the concept of ownership. As a result, still we are, we see a marriage of necessity between corporations deciding that twelve payments a year is better than one get your data as well and for no particular benefit to the consumer. That only looks to continuous software companies, automakers and content providers shift towards this model. And if you can't afford the subscription fee, you don't get the service. Sounds scary, but electricity, water and gas have been this way forever.
1: Yeah. Like what's new as far as that goes? Like, I mean... It's almost like these guys n- don't pay rent, don't pay rates well, they maybe they don't and they don't pay utilities. but we've always had to maintain some kind of income it's or some kind else, of wealth yeah. to get by for better or worse. So look, I'm gonna say that while credit like social credit store hysteria is generally quite stupid, there is the idea that privileges could possibly be revoked based on behavior and social class. and I'm not going to say it's impossible. These are valid concerns. The only thing is is that they're not really based in reality. And to say that these are glimpses in the future is a total lie. That's what Alex Jones says. He says, this is going to happen. This is happening. You know, you're an info warrior. You can maybe stop this only if you buy my supplements, but it's definitely (laughs) going to happen. And it's like, no, these are concepts we need to be vigilant about. Eternal vigilance. But they are part of a discussion that involves this kind of speculation. And as we walk into a giant social experiment, I would say speculation in these sort of situations can be reasonable as long as it's not said with certainty. But to warn people of a dystopian future based on their own bizarre imaginations and the shit they come up with is disingenuous, and I they're don't think it's they're, good faith.
0: They're not readers, and certainly not sci-fi readers. Another, no. another consideration is the level of surveillance and powers granted to police. These are already concerns. While we can generally say that crime is bad, smoking a joint is still illegal, and police have got you know, a lot of really old, terrible laws on the books that they can hit you up for. New South Wales, just to break away very briefly, has sniffer dogs. that The the car Labor government assured us these things were going to go, but they are still here. And we've got teenagers sniffed down with dogs. All those laws have to go. That means getting involved in politics, eternal vigilance, as we said before. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, as we go forward with this sort of stuff, it may well be that disproportionate power to the ruling class through a powerful police force is something that would be considered. Laws are not inherently good, and to give godlike powers to law enforcement could result in some very fucked up results. We can see it now, especially yep. for marginalized communities, particularly young people. This yep. is something that we must keep an eye on for the sake of a free society, but, of course, not something the cookers are here to chat about.
1: They really just don't bother getting to nuance this sort of stuff. And the sniffer dog is a good example. At Good Things on the weekend, the the cop, I was walking with Liz, and it was like, seek to Liz. And I'm like, what? Her? Huh? No. No. She doesn't look like she's on drugs. Anyway, generally speaking, the cooker takes in smart cities are much ado about nothing, but at the same time, we should be eternally vigilant. Yeah. The great Hopefully thing I'm is there. they go yeah. on and on about how they don't want to live in one. And that's the thing. Don't. The government isn't about to forcibly relocate people from rural areas into cities because they want to control them. That's not how this is going to work.
0: Well, if we go back, it was fifty years since the, uh, the since the election of uh, the Whitlam government, nineteen seventy-two. I mean, Gough then, and governments to this day would love to decentralise Australia's heavy, heavy uh, urban, uh, urban-centric uh, populations. Would love to get people out in rural and remote areas, um, but it, it's very, very difficult to do because people yeah. want to go into cities. It's yeah. a major problem from immigration. Yeah. Uh, when, when when people come to this country the very first time, they go. They generally go to
1: Sydney. Straight to Sydney, yeah, or Melbourne, yeah.
0: So 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 yeah, people aren't being re- relocated into the cities. That's actually not what governments want, but governments will have to deal with these things of burgeoning populations in cities.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is the issue, though, because there are incentives to move into cities that government don't have control over. There's amenities and there's services that are not available yeah. rurally because they can't be. It's very difficult to give that much to a very sprawled-out area. Well, you need transport really
0: infrastructure not and, and better than roads. You, you need rail, you need, you know, you need you need planes.
1: There's some medical equipment that's just not worth having in a town of 50,000 people. You just can't really do that. But it is a choice. If you don't want to live in the cities, that's fine. You have a choice because if you remember this, guys, you're all about freedom. You actually do have quite a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You just like saying you don't because you have a victimhood complex and Please it's weird. Please don't come to
0: my part of the, part of the country.
1: Yeah. So look, you know, while it is a shame that people do need to give up their privacy to live in a city where the, you know, sort of good hospitals are in a smart city situation, they'll have good hospitals at the expense of privacy. They, have, they don't wh-
0: believe in medical science, they're not gonna go Well, business. yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> this is the that. thing. Like, you know, part of the world-class healthcare and the efficiency of a healthcare system will be access to health records, which are then cross-referenced into medical databases that give doctors these incredible insights in their health situation and effortless diagnosis. This is the shit they protest. Why should you be invited to the party when you've tried to stop the party the whole way through? <laughs> You're not coming. We don't want coming. you there. We don't want you there. Stay I'm sorry. rural. You know, just don't get a gun license because we don't trust you with it. But, like many things in life, smart cities will be opt in. My main concern is how high the barrier of entry will be. The gap between the haves and have nots isn't narrowing in a way that would see like people living in a smart city under these sort of equal conditions where we're all rationing to the same degree. In the end, the general idea behind a smart city is to use data to make it work better. And that's that. I mean, if this is done well, we could end up with great cities that work better. And as I said, they give a better user experience, which is you. You're the user and you have a better experience that's good. Even if Google does sell some of your data to Coca-Cola, it's probably de-identified and probably more or less useless with no practical impact on your life. Well, okay. So worst case scenario, we do live in a dystopian hellhole run by the egos of dictators who use unprecedented power to control us, to serve the interests of the ruling class. Unlikely to happen, but I will say it is worth discussing, but it's unlikely. But I tell you what though, if we put all those thoughts into a blender, turn it on a maximum, Leave it for a while and watch the red masses turn into a cyclone, we get the fucking neon project. Yeah, and this exactly. is otherwise known as the lion, it's the brainchild of Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman, who's decided he wants to build a big thing in the middle of nowhere and no one can fucking stop him. So if you read the website, you can see how utterly terrified they are of him. And they should be, because he kills people and hacks oh, them up with bone saw He
0: doesn't he doesn't just kill them. He turns them into fine powder.
1: Yes, yes, he's a, he's an interesting guy. But we'll get to that in the next installment in this series. But next up will be a look at the Saudi mega project and how fucking cooked it is, and it is so cooked from the plan to the management to the funding to the everything. And for some reason, the cookers are more concerned about the social media comments of the good people of Logan than what is genuinely the roadmap for a dystopian authoritarian state. But, hey, I'm not here to tell them what to think.
0: It's mainly because of the flying cars, Joel. Yes. And to be honest, you know.
1: The robot maids. What if you try and have sex with them? (laughs) No, no, no. Has anyone thought about that?
0: And you have been listening to the Condition Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill.
1: Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. You can find fairly easily. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share it on social media, increase our listenership, blah, blah, blah. Maybe other smart city dorks would get involved. I don't know. And
0: we have a Patreon to help keep this sustainable. We've mentioned at the front of the show. It's bloody time-consuming, the show, that is, and we still have to pay the rent to help keep the lights on. Um, yes, please. www.patreon.com backslash the conditional release program. Well done. Not dot .com. The, not dot .com. Not dr- you'll be... You'll be taken up to a to a virus-laden website and you'll never be able to use your computer again.
1: And you'll deserve it. For as little as $5 a month, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content, including a weekly bonus episode of all the good shit didn't make into the main program. Just, you know, stuff I've been like, oh, that's really interesting, but I don't have time. We try and make it worth a while. I mean, you know, five bucks isn't a lot of cash, but at the same time, we know it's a little sacrifice you make, and we really appreciate it.
0: We do indeed. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's to tell us something we already know because we have been tracking you with data-collecting drone devices from the
1: air. No secrets, listeners. No secrets. We know everything.
0: I want my flying car.
1: <laughs> I want my self-emptying bin. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. See you next See time. See yeah, I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me! These are bastards!